Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on a Saturday afternoon in the great state of Texas. Wherever you are, I hope that you're enjoying your day, spending time with family, friends, or alone, however you choose to use it. Maybe you're celebrating Veterans Day. A lot of that going on on Saturday. Oftentimes, we'll see it celebrated during the week. I know that for many years, my kids have participated in a Veterans Day parade that's during the week, and it's right by their school in downtown Austin. And so, but I believe the parade's gonna is today in Austin on Saturday. But I'm sure um, take time today to reflect on that and, and share with somebody that you're close with or or someone you know that has served in our military. It's always important to thank those people that have served, and you know those people that put themselves in harm's way and to stand up for the values that we believe in in our country. And those are the values that Texas values stand for when it comes to faith, family, and freedom in the defense of our Constitution. There's no question that that's what our organization is about, particularly at the state level. And so, you know, look, when we're talking about faith, family, and freedom, you know, you think about the issues of religious liberty, and you think about some of the attacks that we're seeing on people of faith. And oftentimes when you think about that, it's about restricting people's speech and, and activities that they want to engage in and the government punishing them. But what we saw earlier this week is this shooting. Oh, excuse me. I guess it's been uh, almost a week now. I believe it was on Sunday, this shooting in Sutherland Springs. And so we're going to talk about some of these issues today, church security, religious freedom. And one of the, and our guest today, to give us some more insight on that, is Gary Ledbetter. Gary Ledbetter serves as Director of Communications and Ministry Relations for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. He's also the editor of the Southern, Te- Southern Baptist Texan, which is a publication. And, you know, Gary and I have been friends for a long time. Gary's a graduate of Criswell College, Southern, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and, um, and and also Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And But Gary and I have worked a lot on public policy issues. You know, our organization, while we're faith-based, we work with people all over the state that work in specific organizations and different roles that share some of these same values and principles. And so it's great to have good friends, friends that are involved in this work on a daily basis, but also have unique roles that can give us insight on that. So, Gary, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. Well, Gary, you know, I know that as it's being reported on this church that was attacked, people that were attacked, this horrible shooting, uh, this mass shooting out in Sutherland Springs, uh, not far from the San Antonio area, as I understand it, it, this church was a member, if you will, of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Tell our listeners just for uh, to set things up, kind of what that means, the um, the reach of your organization and, and how churches tie into it, and then tell us about um, your thoughts on what happened in Sutherland Springs and the things that your organization has been doing as a response. Sure. Well, the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention is actually made up of 2,640 churches, and they're just really in every corner of the state. And most of our churches, just like most churches in America, are small, um, and a good number of them are in small towns and and rural places. So uh, uh, First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs is not really uh, atypical of of the churches in the state, whether they're Assembly of God or Methodist or whatever. 
but uh, they affiliate with us. It's a self-governing church. We don't uh, tell them what to do at all. Our role is to find out what our churches need in order to fulfill uh, their God-given role, their Great Commission task, and do everything we can to help them accomplish it. Well, look, and that's important oftentimes, too. Sometimes the churches that are smaller, you know, they they know what's important to their own community and, and the people that attend their church. But it's good to have some insight, some wisdom, some guidance, some support from people throughout the state or from a, 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 a convention, if you will, a group of people that have seen things that can give them guidance and give them insight as they try to meet the needs of people there locally. So we saw this attack last week. You know, I just, Gary, look, I, I'm, you know, we're on social media a lot. We follow the news. We're not a news entity ourselves. I obviously do a radio show, but my role is a little bit different than, than people that are in the news on a daily basis. But my point is, I stay pretty engaged and aware of what's going on on a moment-to-moment basis. There's often times where... You know, I'll have these feelings of like, I almost wish that I didn't, right? That that I was not so aware of the news and, and staying aware of things, that there were things that I don't always see, you know, uh, from the get-go because, you know, there's a lot of heartbreak out there. There's a lot of things happening. So, you know, when this shooting happened on Sunday, I you know, it just was, it was very upsetting, as you might imagine, and concerning Tell us what you have seen and, and how SBTC has responded and what your engagement has been with this this church and this community since this attack happened. Sure. Well, like I said, we are a network of churches, and uh, so we're aware of each other. And, and in some cases, like in a small town, all the pastors know each other, the churches know one another. Uh, one of our churches uh, down the road uh, had several uh, first responders, EMT folks, and uh, their beepers started going off. Mm. And uh, so as soon as it, they, they were aware that something major had happened, uh, the church went into prayer mode right there on Sunday morning, uh, even as these folks were responding. We have uh, regional people that kind of keep track of churches in different areas. Uh, Sunday afternoon, our, one of our regional guys was there. Uh, as we began to get an idea, as the rest of the country did, of just uh, the magnitude of this tragedy, uh, we began to send people that direction. Our executive director and some of our staff went down there, uh, met with the pastor, met with some of the folks, did some hospital visits. Uh, Our Southern Baptist president came over from Memphis, uh, Steve Gaines, uh, he went and spent some time with the pastor of First Baptist Sutherland Springs, uh, Frank Pomeroy, and his wife, Sherry. And uh, so just at the beginning, it was pastoral. Uh, we called our entire church, or excuse me, our entire uh, convention of churches to prayer. Uh, people began to you know, ask, what can we do? What can we do? Can we send money? How can we help? And uh, so as they began to to, to develop, we began to get an idea of what was going on and how could we help. Um, you know, the first step is grief. First yeah. step is how do we uh, how do we deal with something that is just unimaginable and tragic, as as you mentioned. 
Well, we're talking with Gary Ledbetter, the Director of Communications and Ministry for Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. We're talking about the shooting in Sutherland Springs at the church there. Uh, the church is affiliated, if you will, with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. So you can imagine Gary was quite busy on Sunday, and I'm sure has been busy since then, maybe more so at a, at a higher level than usual. But, you know, you're right. You know, one of those first responses, right, is— this feeling of grief. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, what that's like, right, to, to be in church, a, a place that's, you know, we call it a sanctuary. I mean, it, it's, you know, often, you know, you have this feeling of safety, uh, of security, and, you know, of, of a place where you can kind of set all the your worries aside. And not that that's changed. I mean, that, that still exists moving forward. But, you know, sometimes it, it could reach a, I mean, it just to me, upset me a little bit more to see such a a place like that be disturbed, if you will, and that's probably the lightest way to put it. You know, as the reports are saying, 26 people were killed, uh, that were killed by this gunman, another 20 injured, and then the individual that was shooting, that that was the attacker, died somehow afterwards. There's, you know, reports that the uh, that it was a self-inflicted wound, but it, we know that there were gun sh- there were gunshots. There were people. There were neighbors that were pursuing her, or at least one. And so, but l- let's step back for a second. Uh, a lot of attention on this community. Uh, the governor's been there. Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor, uh, the Vice President Mike Pence was there earlier this week. A lot of talk. That, well, there's been some talk this week too, though, about church security. We know during the legislative session there was. New legislation passed as a part of another bill. It was a standalone bill at one point, but um, it didn't get through. But where that organization supported, I know you, your organization supported, that that lightens the restrictions that were in place, if you will, or, or allows, excuse me, for the churches to have their own security without government interference. Tell us a little bit about that policy and, and why it's important for churches to be able to, to have security measures in place. Sure. Uh, every time something like this happens, of course, people begin to get a little more interested in church security, and a good number of our churches, my church, for example, is a fairly small church, and we have what we call a health and safety team. And uh, the way the law was written prior to uh, this summer, uh, those folks could not wear anything to indicate they were security, no kind of uniform or patch or anything like that, and they uh, were not allowed be armed. Uh, now, unless your church is posted against it, any anyone who comes into your church can carry concealed a uh, concealed weapon, but your health and safety team cannot. Uh, as the law changed, effective September 1st, uh, your health and safety team still cannot call itself a security agency, still can't uh, wear badges or patches or any kind of uniform dress, but they now have the same rights as any other church member to carry concealed. And so that really was the big change uh, so that churches can intentionally have armed volunteers on the premises to uh, provide safety. Now, that's not the only thing. That's probably not the primary thing that that our health and safety teams do. Locking doors, is there anybody hanging around down the preschool area, that kind of thing. It's just more mundane. Uh, but this did sort of add a level of uh, intensity uh, to their role and for their potential to keep the church safe. 
Well, look, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk about it this week. There's been several articles written about this legislation by Matt Rinaldi. You know, Representative Rinaldi was trying to push this as a standalone piece of legislation. Uh, you know, look, <laughs> it seems like the 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 same issue we talked about before, another piece of legislation that was blocked or held up or not passed by the House. And so, but got onto another piece of legislation. So, but there's been a lot of talk about it and interest this week, as you can imagine, with what happened in Sutherland Springs. And, you know, the initial talk at Sutherland Springs or the initial response on social media was people condemning the use of firearms and talking about gun control and, and really, I mean, honestly, Gary, condemning people of faith. And I just, look, I know how social media can be, particularly Twitter sometimes. I try to keep it as civil and respectful as possible, and I avoid a lot of temptation to get into uh, prolonged back and forth because sometimes it's just, there's just no benefit to it. And so, right. but I, and I'm not saying I, I, you know, that this was an exception this week, but I allow myself maybe to get a little bit more engaged than I oftentimes do, and every now and then I will make that exception because people were attacking people for praying. I mean, they basically yeah. were, were, were saying, you know, I, uh, calling the whole idea and concept really of a Christian into question, you know, that, that because this hap- the shooting happened at a church and people were praying, apparently prayer doesn't work, we need something. To, I mean, just, and just attacking people for, se- for offering prayers, you know, and, and, yep. and look, and here's the thing. Then, but this is what I said to one particular person who's a, a media uh, representative from San Antonio. Let's see if what all the information comes out. I mean, we didn't know anything about the shooter or any of those. It was very early, and then we start to get reports that some volunteers, if you will, just some some uh, non law enforcement people, neighbors in the community, someone had a firearm, and they were responsible for essentially chasing this guy away or diverting him. And I think you could argue um, preventing further shootings from happening and, and, and essentially saving lives. Yeah. Well, at the rally uh, this Wednesday night, I was down there, about 3,000 people from the community came. Of course, this is a small town in a, you know, a kind of a rural county, and so everybody was touched by this. And we were at Floresville High School. That ISD mm. had uh, several of students that were in the church who were killed, Uh these two guys were there. These two guys got standing ovations. They got special call out from the governor, special call out from the vice president. Uh, these were just two guys that had other plans, so they looked across the street and saw somebody shooting up the church. And they responded, I don't know, as I think a lot of people would, uh, to try to stop that violence and that violent man. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, 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 the criticisms of people who prayed uh, was over the top, and it really it, it provoked me as well. Uh, but then, you know, you've got uh, this uh, plumber uh, who shot the the, um, the the shooter, and then you've got the young man who helped chase him down. Uh, these guys have been lampooned in some of the leftist press. Uh, but, you know, we here in Texas, we here in the middle of the country, we understand them. We understand what they did, and we admire them and hope that we would have had that kind of courage and self-sacrificial spirit. Well, and we're talking with Gary Ledbetter, the Director of Communications for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. One of the gentleman's names, Johnny Langendorf. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Mm-hmm. He's a guy with a, right, yeah. with a cowboy hat, you know, probably has the, yep. I don't know, maybe, 
you know, the look that people think from other parts of the country, what some, you know, some uh, some guy from Texas that would chase somebody down might look like. But I mean, look, these aren't fictitious people. I mean, there there is some truth to some of the depictions that people think or they think about Texans, you know, particularly some in rural areas. Uh, but these I mean, these are our these are good people. I mean, these are people that care about fellow man and just respond at times. And I don't know anything about these two individuals and the rest of their life. I'm just simply saying from what we know, that is what, you know, having these freedoms are about that way. If there are good people or there are people that are trying, you know, the good guys, if you will, or those that are trying to protect people. And I don't want us to get into a protracted or a long discussion about the second amendment. I know that's not your uh, your expertise nor mine, even though I support it. My point is, you know, you you see these things happen, and we do need to be have the ability to protect ourselves when you have people out there that aren't going to follow the law anyway. But I want to talk about the prayer issue because that's what struck me yeah. the most. And so there was a hashtag on Twitter at one point that was, you know, look, and I I'm going to try to be sensitive to our listeners, you know, but f your prayers was what the Twitter hashtag was. I, I mean, you know what I'm talking about yep. here. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty extreme how people were attacking it. I was trying to respond to some of this to kind of reset things and get people to say, look, look, I understand people are upset about what happened, but the people in the church are not the criminals. They're not the ones that you should be attacking. You know, the people that were yep. in the church, and, and oftentimes, as we know, Gary, when people say, we're, you know, they, they ask for p- people for prayer because that's all they can do, okay? I'm sitting yep. at home in, in Buda, south of Austin. I can't rush out to the scene in Sutherland Springs and try to save the day, but maybe somebody else can, you know? But, yep. but all you can do in that moment is try to unite with your fellow Texan, your fellow man, and your fellow Christian and offer up prayers. And the idea, well, and the fact that, is not an idea, the fact that people were attacking other people and our elected officials for making those uh, recommendations, you know, really concerns me and, and, you know, about the state of religious liberty and the state of faith in our country. Well, and I think most everyone, even folks who don't go to church, recognize that 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 response from some of the radical left was was insane. Uh, we who we who believe in God believe that He is sovereign over the events of man. It, he knows the day of my death as well as He knew the day of my birth. Uh, so it's not a last resort to pray. It's an acknowledgement that God alone is powerful and heavens. We didn't know what to say in the face of this grief. I mean, it's just like any other time you make a hospital visit or a, a visit to a family who's just lost a loved one. You don't know what to say. Uh, but God does know how to comfort and console the brokenhearted. And so we're asking him to do that and to use our hands, to direct our hands uh, as we're able to be part of that comfort. Uh, I really appreciate what Vice President Pence said in his own Twitter account. He said, I'm a believer, and I believe that prayer works and that God hears our prayers. Well, amen. Amen. Uh, no. And I, I, I retweeted that too, Gary, right? I saw him tweet that. Yeah. I was like, you know what? And, and um, I, 
here's the thing, too. And, and sometimes it could be a misinterpretation of what it means to say prayer works, right? And I think about this as a Christian, too. Look, I mean, you know, I have my struggles from time to time where I'm like, you know, Lord, are you hearing me, right? We, you know, as Christians, I think most of us, yep. if not all of us at times, do that. But but that in itself is an acknowledgment that there is value to the prayer. And so sometimes when, when we think about, uh, you know, prayer working, that's what people will think rather than, well— if a church was shot up while those people are praying, well, you know, then your prayers didn't work. Well, that, that's not the way prayer works. That's not the way God works. I mean, we know that the people have free will. He, you know, that people are going to make their own decisions. That we live in a broken world, if you will, where people there are people that may themselves be broken mentally and psychologically and make decisions like these. And so that's not an indication that prayer, quote unquote, doesn't work. I mean, that's not how nope. the, that's not how prayer works. <laughs> and look, you're nope. the SBTC guy. You tell me. But I mean, that's just, you know, but yep. uh, and so I hope that some of this allows people to maybe get a better understanding of, of you know, what you should be expecting when we talk about prayers and we talk about having faith. Well, and when you see, I mean, when I stood uh, uh, there in Floresville and looked across the field and saw Pastor Frank Pomeroy and his wife Sherry uh, sitting there with the vice president and sitting there with Steve Gaines and the governor, and uh, there were a lot of hugs, there was a lot of prayer, there was a lot of comfort from people who loved them. And listen, uh, they didn't want somebody to give them $1,000. They wanted somebody to put an arm around them. They yeah. wanted somebody to show up and join them in prayer. So uh, ask somebody who's actually grieved. Yeah, uh, You can say what you want from, from Los Angeles or New York if you like, but ask somebody who, who's grieved and you say, can I pray with you? And they're going to be so grateful. Uh, so it's... There's a, there's a grace that God gives, and that's one of the things that we've been praying, that these folks, these families, even these people who are still in the hospital, yep. uh, that God would give them that grace, that God would give them that strength and that healing. And these people are just so needy for that and so grateful for it. So well, it's real, and if you're not right. there, you may not believe it, but if you are there, you do. Now that's absolutely right, and look, the, and this is the beginning for them. As we know, when you deal with tragedies, I've seen it in yeah. Houston, I've seen it in Rockport, I've seen it in um, other parts of the coast, in Houston after Hurricane Harvey, and in other issues. Yep. You know, th- these people, you know, after the media and you know the pundits on Twitter or whoever you know, move on to something else. This is still these people's lives. The prayers are valuable to them. We're talking with Gary Ledbetter, the Director of Communications for Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Gary, uh, two things. Number one, tell us what, if you're hearing more of a response or a request for information about the Church Security Protection Act, and what your suggestions would be um, for information if churches are looking for that as, you know, they think more about these things and, and reassess them in, in light of what's happened and in light of the new law. Well, I would imagine that uh, there are more than one faith group in um, Texas that's doing what we're doing, but because because of the request from our churches and the interest. We we have had right along church security training. I think our most recent one was, was in August uh, to help them understand what are some better and best practices to, um, you know, to see a problem before it becomes a problem, to 
take some remedial steps to, you know, make sure that doors are locked and that we know what doors people are going to come into while everybody's in the auditorium. Um, well, we've added five security trainings to the next year to accommodate our churches. And the first one is going to be this Monday over at Criswell College from 3 to 5 here in Dallas. It's free. And, you know, so what, like I said at the beginning, we try to help our churches do their ministries, and this is part of it. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be some reference to the firearms aspect of it, but I think they're going to start with the basics. Uh, what do you, what's the goal of your church security? What are you currently doing? We provide on-site evaluations of security practices and your building, all of that so that we can know how to how to counsel you in church security. We've got a couple of consultants, very knowledgeable in this area. So that's how our fellowship of churches is responding. I don't doubt that there are other denominational groups that are also thinking, okay, so how can we respond to this need in our churches? And this is the practical thing we're trying to do uh, to answer that question. And I hope that at the end of it, there'll be hundreds more of our churches uh, who have a plan and have some trained folks. Well, we're about to run out of time here. Uh, Gary, it's so great to have you on. I want to, you know, just touch on one other thing. Uh, During the legislative session, and that's good information. Look, go, go to their website, to the Southern Baptist Texas Convention's website, and get connected so, you, so your church can get more information about these issues. Another piece of legislation that passed during the session was the protection of faith-based adoption and foster care agencies uh, regarding their placements and so on. Many of them, when they're involved in this this type of practice, they want to follow their faith beliefs. And I just want to compliment Cindy Asmussen for her work on that issue and many others. Yep. I know we've spent time with you. I look forward to that doing that in the future as our organizations, you know, I, I think really benefit from the relationship we have and the work together because we see it take many fronts. You know, we see things come up like last Sunday that, you know, sometimes are not expected or come out of nowhere. And I'm I'm glad you're doing what you do. And I look forward to continue continuing our work together on these issues of faith, family, and freedom in Texas. I do, too. I'm grateful for your work, Jonathan, and uh, just the energy with which it's pursued. Texas is so blessed to have so many pro-family organizations. Some states don't have that. Uh, and it's great to have, you know, even when we don't all see the same path forward, but to see such a powerful coalition of folks who believe in life and family and religious liberty. And this bill is an example of that. It's very important. I mean, I am with Mrs. Abbott. I'm with Chief Whitman and all of these other folks who say we need more churches um, and people of faith to adopt and foster. And we come back and say, okay, well, let's, let's protect our rights to do this for gospel reasons. And I'm so grateful that uh, the legislature responded positively with this bill because it it takes one little bit of a burden off those people who are trying to do it. Well, we're out of time for this week. Gary Ledbetter from the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention has been our guest. What a great segment, some great information. Um, It's going to be podcasted if you want to share with other people, but we'll be back here live next week on the Texas Values Report.